Hey, this is Big Rev. Thanks for tuning in to Masterclass Theology, a weekly podcast where we study books of the Bible a verse at a time and apply it to our lives. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's rock. Well, good evening. Welcome to Masterclass Theology. I'm Big Rev. And I'm Professor D. We have the honor of finishing out the, the book of Galatians tonight. And it's been quite, quite a journey thus far. This is session six in this journey. How's it been so far, Mick? Oh, this has been, uh, my usual word, tour de force. Tour de force. Yeah, man. This has been a really great book to go through. And I think it, it's a great refresher for anybody who's been a Christian for a while or, and a great starting point for anybody who, who is yet to uh, join in on the journey. I have to admit that I mean I have I have been in Galatians before. There's a lot of great verses in Galatians. Mm-hmm. I have never systematically gone through verse by verse. This is my very first time doing this. And so this has been a really it's been a real fun journey for me on a personal level. I have never just this is the book of the Bible. I've never preached from a pulpit. Um, it just happens to be one of those that I just never have really spent the dedicated time to study. So this has been good for me too. Right. I mean, you know, just going through any, I always feel that way going into any of the books that we do. It just, you know, besides being familiar with them, it's just kind of great to go through them at at this level. It always speaks to you. The word of God always speaks. He is so faithful that way. Mm -hmm. So we're in Galatians 6, and uh, let me open us up with a word of prayer, and then we will journey forth. God, we thank you for this evening. I thank you for my friend Mick, who's here with me tonight again, as always, and for the wisdom that you give him and the direction that your word's going to give us. And we just thank you, God, for being faithful to us and for giving us your word that we get to study. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we are, let me just get my my thing going here and it's on my laptop. Is it going to fly away? It might have. Okay, sorry for a second. All right. So we are going to be, and we're going to take this kind of piecemeal tonight. There's only 18 verses, and so we're going to take just a slower run through this. But we'll start with verses 1 and 2. Uh, brothers, and as always when Paul does that, it's, it's and sisters as well. The, 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 the Greek is, is not specific for a reason. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So, what scenario does verse 1 picture, Professor D? Being caught in transgression, what's that all about? Alright, well, what I think is going on here is, especially coming off of uh, chapter 5, remember all these things, we have the chapter and verse divisions, they did not. So this is coming off of chapter 5 where he's talking about what it means to be spiritual. What it means to walk in the spirit. So the idea here is that there are those who, for not being intentional about their walk in the spirit, will fall. Uh, the word caught there, I was looking this up, and depending on um, who you ask, can be actually also be translated as to be overcome or overtaken by, by sin. So it's you who are spiritual. In other words, you who are walking by the Spirit, you know, in other words, there are those who are not walking by the Spirit as they should. They get caught, overtaken by sin. We who, who do walk in the Spirit need to restore them. Because the idea, again, that Paul's trying to communicate here is there's no higher class Christian and lower class Christian. And it's not about destroying ourselves, but lifting each other up. Right. 
Right, I like that. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So how would bearing one another's burdens fulfill what Jesus commands? What what What's the law of Christ? What what, what did Paul mean by that? Well, what, what he means by the law of Christ is, you know, what Jesus said. Jesus emphasized the two greatest commandments. And in this particular book, you know, Paul only focuses on the second of the, the, of the great two commandments, which is love your neighbor as yourself. And that in doing so, you fulfill what he's going to term the law of Christ. I believe this is where, where the law of Christ is used to explain that. And the idea of this is that instead of getting caught up in the letter of the law, he wants us to get up caught up in the spirit of the law, the intent of the law, mm. which was basically for us to really love one another. Even in the Old Testament, even as the law that was taught to the Jews, it was intended for them to love one another. But they got caught up more on the technicalities of the law than they did in the spirit of the law. Yeah, and I, I like that because that that means that the the because Jesus elsewhere says, you know, a, a new command I give you, love yes. one another. So the law of Christ is tied to love. I love how you said that, but I, I like how verse one speaks of restoring mm, yes like like so, so someone's is is caught up someone's has as a you know we journey people we, we journey with people like in celebrate recovery or people who have hurts or habits or hang-ups people who have, who are caught in the, the destructive power of addictions and there's something to be said about coming alongside a brother and in a spirit of gentleness yes. seeking him to be restored because he's got a broken relationship with God his sin is causing division or distraction and to be a part of his life to see him restored and that the where i'm going with that is that illustrates the kind of love that jesus is looking for absolutely this goes back to if you think about john chapter 3 jesus says i didn't come to the world to condemn it mm. i come to basically in essence restore it you know the world as it is is already in in, in a state of chaos and destruction the world needs less of that from christians and we need to be more like Christ, where we bring hope and restoration. That's quite an image. So what would a community look like, Mick, that did these two verses? Oh, this very ideal church. This would look like a, a, a church. First of all, I want us to be under, uh, understand this. There's no thing as, as a perfect church in the, in the way most of us will think of it. There will never. I, I've heard people when I was growing up say, oh, you know, I wish we, we went back to being like the, the original church in Acts. And I'm like, did you not read the book of Acts that I read? <laughs> They had problems too. I mean, they had issues they had to deal with. You know, in chapter 5, they had to deal with the Ananias and Sapphira lying to the Holy Spirit. Right. Chapter 6, they, had, they were arguing because there was favoritism being between the, the, the Palestinian Jews versus the Hellenistic Jews. So clearly, you must not be talking about the same original church. But the idea is, is of a church that meets needs, a church mm. that, that sets to, that teaches the word correctly. And again, more than focusing on the technicalities, you know, of, of, of the law, they focus on the spirit of the law, loving people, helping people, restoring people. Even right. when it comes to matters of discipline, when you look at it from a biblical point of view, discipline, while it's never pleasant and Hebrews owns that, will tell you that discipline is good in building up, so about equipping right. people and helping people along the way. Yeah, the, this Galatian church certainly wasn't perfect. My oh, goodness, no. they were following something that wasn't even the gospel. Yeah. And that's why Paul had to come in just swinging hard. Yeah. <laughs> again and again and again. And they were being led astray by an outside group. Yeah. I mean, this is... So anyone who's like, oh, I want to go back to the first century church, well, well which one? Yeah, exactly. I mean, every one of them has something going on. And so 
It's yeah, this we're we're either following the gospel or we're not following the gospel. We're either living the gospel by loving others the way Jesus expects mm-hmm. or not. Right. And so yeah, bear one another's burdens and yes, love it. So we have next uh, three to six. For if oh, before we go though, the the, uh, the keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. We got to be careful. We just don't want to yeah. play. We don't want to play fast and loose. No. With caring for somebody, trying to let's say rescuing someone from a pornography addiction, and the next thing you know, you're 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 caught. You know, right. you got you got to keep watch on yourself. Right. And uh, any of us who are helping people in recovery. Well, I mean, here's a great example of that. You know, you're helping a, a, a couple that, that, that is, is having marital problems. If you're the man, do not work with the wife. Work right. with the man. Right. You, right. Mean, you have to be humble enough to... Re- re- That's the thing. It requires a spirit of humility to recognize I too can fall. Mm-hmm. I too can trip. I mean, just chapter 2. We saw how Paul tripped... Uh, Peter, I'm sorry, tripped up. Yeah, there's an image here where, where you're, you're keeping watch on one another mm-hmm. because you recognize that somebody needs to be restored. Yeah. So you, you've got your eye on each other, you know, for the sake of, of unity and restoration, but you're also keeping a watch on yourself. Yes. And I think that's, if there's ever going to be a critical judgmental spirit, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be critical about my own issues and mm-hmm. my own sin and my yeah. own walk and, and follow what Jesus talked about. You know, don't, don't, don't complain about the speck of wood in someone's eye when you've got the structural beam hanging out of your eye. Yeah. And it's like, I got to focus on my own situation. Right. And as far as helping other people, I was just thinking about the imagery of, uh, you know, every time you get on an airplane, they tell you when the air mask drops to make sure to secure your oh, yeah. mask first uh, yeah. before you help the person next to you. You have, you have to be in a good place to be able to help someone out. Mm. Great. Yes. That's, verses one and two are great. Verses three to six now. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have his, for each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. So, uh, Professor D, what seemed to have been going on in these verses here? Well, so we've noticed earlier. Uh, hold on a second, let me get my my, my thing ready. Uh, one of the things that was going on was basically people with airs of superiority in the church. So there, there was a lot of uh, putting down going on, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So Paul doesn't want that going on. He wants us to be different. He wants us to be restorative and, and helpful. So he's, he's challenging them in, 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 in other ways. Um, let me see, which verses specific are we asking about right now? So if, if anyone thinks he's something, so I, I almost wonder if, you know, it's a verse two, it says bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. So maybe somebody is, and I, I was trying to think maybe if it's someone who is a very much a keeper of the law, like this opposition mm-hmm. group was, maybe they're a zealot. They may kind of rise above everybody else and think, well, I don't need to bear one of those burdens because I, I'm, I'm me. And, 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 I'm, and so they deceive themselves. If someone, the, the verse three, if, if anyone thinks that he is something when he is nothing. And, and Paul's, it doesn't, it, it wouldn't sound right to Paul just to, just to debase people. Right. But if you're lifting yourself up when you shouldn't be lifting yourself up and you're painting this picture about yourself, that you're this great, you know, this great people rising above the crowd. And it goes to the point that he's been making in this whole book. Look, none of us deserve to be here. Mm-hmm. None of us is saved by our own strength. So none of us really has a sense to, something to stand on to brag on, on of our own 
And that's kind of one of the things that he gets, he's, he's trying to get. Don't think that you're this something. You didn't save yourself. You were saved just as much as the other guy was saved. The only difference between you and the other person might be that you you may have been saved longer. And, 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 and that's just the long and short of it. But you're really not that much more different than that person. So the, he continues with the idea of uh, you know testing your own work and the reason of both to be in yourself alone, not in his neighbor. Each one will have his, has... Each one will have to bear his own load. Now, I, I investigated this, and, and the Greek word, because there, there seems to be a tension here in verses 2 and 5. Mm-hmm. Verse 2 tells us, bear one, bear one another's burdens. Yes. And then verse 5 says, each one of us is going to have to bear our own load. Mm-hmm. And so the, I like the translation difference there, because the, the, the Greek words are different mm. for burden and for load. Um, but you, but what I was reading was that the the verb the, the words are basically synonyms. They basically mean the same thing. But the reason Paul changes words here is he's he's trying to say two different things here. So the question I've got is: Is there a difference between verses five and two? Because you've got one saying I've got to bear your burden, yeah, and 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 verse five says no 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 I've got to bear my own burden. Well yeah verse verse two go with the word burden and and then verse five with the word load. The idea of a burden is something that's more excessive, so we help each other out when it's something more excessive. Uh, the imagery that comes to my mind is when you're weightlifting, um, and and I'm I'm doing some some very heavy lifting where I'm pushing myself or I'm being pushed in this particular case. I need that spotter. So you need someone to help you with that load. You're moving heavy furniture. You need someone to help with that load. This is when something that's beyond the, the ordinary or more than the everyday. Load, on the other hand, I would actually describe it that way. It's basically what we all deal with on the everyday. Mm. Where a burden is, is more than that. Right. It all, verse 2, in the context he's got in verse 1 and 2, there seems to be there's something broken or separated that needs to be restored. Mm-hmm. So th- that almost sounds like that there's a sin issue. Yeah. And so the verse two sounds like come to the aid of that, of your brother who can't carry the crushing burden of the consequences of his sin. Right. And come to his aid and see him restored in gentleness, but don't be caught up in that sin yourself. Correct. And again, that word caught can, can be also be translated as overtaken or overcome. Right. Whereas verse five it sounds like, okay, each one's going to test his own work. So we all have this work that the master is giving to us. Mm-hmm. It's mine. It's not yours. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to be bragging about your stuff. Yeah. Got, I'm, I'm expected to focus on me. So now, so verse 2 sounds like it's a sinful burden that my, my brother can't mm-hmm. bear alone. Whereas verse 5, it's like the master has given us work to do, each of us. Yes. And each of us is going to have to give an account for that yeah. work. So why am I focusing on my brother here or my sister and their work, when I need to be focusing on my own load here and my own issue to deal with here, my own faithfulness to God. Yeah. And I, it just seems like it's it, just reading it from the English standpoint. It's really tempting to go, was he is he is he making a mistake? Is he saying something one way than the other way? But the first one deals with relationships, and the second one is dealing with my own personal responsibility mm-hmm. to be faithful to God. I think. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Is that sound I, I about right? I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Otherwise, otherwise, it does seem confusing just reading it straight up. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't mean to go to verse 6. Yeah, verse 6 is going to be in the next section. But, uh, yeah, any, anything more to say about these first five verses? No, I think, I think we got what All we right. wanted out of them. I think so, too. Okay, this, this deceiving himself. That, that's, that's just something we got to 
keep in mind and and it looks like self-deception is addressed by self-examination. Mm -hmm. So if you're someone who's deceiving yourself, the only way you stop deceiving yourself is by examining yourself. Yeah. I think there's I think self-examination is 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 the way to address self-deception. Yeah, another way of putting it is you know taking personal inventory. Yeah, I love it. That's a that's a that's a celebrate recovery kind of word, isn't it? It, it is. It's good stuff. That's that's working those steps. It's a really good program. Yeah. All right. Excuse me. Verses six to eight. Here we go. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. Well, there's the deception again. Mm -hmm. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Wow. So I'm just going to ask. I, I realize I'm asking this as a pastor. Uh, they call me Big Rev here. So, uh, yeah, so why do you think verse 6 was needed in the Galatian church? Because I, I think it's very, very easy to forget that... Um, that people who teach, if they're devoting themselves to teaching, and and they they are they are taken away from a a, a situation where they can they can uh, exercise something where they can provide for themselves need to be provided for. Mm. You know, this is very similar to the way it was set up with with the Jews, also with the the Levites. Right. The Levites who were devoting themselves to to the to the work of ministry could therefore not work the land. Or or, or 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 livestock to provide for themselves, so they the the other t tribes needed to provide for them. Yeah, they gave a tithe. Yeah, that cared for. Yeah, and the same concept pretty much carries into the church. You have those who will devote who who will not be able to devote themselves to career because they're devoting themselves to teaching the word of God. Right, and and there are some people I'm sure are listening that know of a pastor who is bivocational, who mm. has to work at a factory all mm -hmm. week and then on, yeah. then prepares a sermon. And some churches are just, they're of a certain size where that's all they can afford. And and and, and I, I understand that. Uh, but this is a context. And in this context, I believe there was a lot of itinerant ministry yeah. where uh, preachers would go and they would serve different churches. And yes. they would go and you'd have traveling teachers and the teacher would come into your town and and you would make sure the room and board is taken care of, and and so you would you would share the good things that you've you've earned or you've grown, or you would share that with a person who's now coming to your town to yes. bless you and to teach you God's word. And but yeah, the larger point there is, you know, we're not surprised those of us who belong to churches, which I hope is all of us listening to this, is that the tithes and offerings you give support the ministry of the church, and part of that is taking care of the, the church staff and the missionaries that are supported by your church. And so part of that seems to come from a verse like this. Yeah. And I think um, something I forgot to mention earlier, and I think it's worth mentioning, and it may be a question down the road, and I'm not remembering, but the first five verses, they deal with, with relationships. And, mm -hmm. and the next, or I'm going to say the next five verses deal with what I'm going to say is investments. Mm. And both of them are about responsibilities. So we have responsibilities in relationships, and we have responsibilities in, re in investments. I'm going to call it that. Right. And that's good. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. So uh, he uses a farm analogy here, mm -hmm. and 
We'll kind of go over that. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows. So that's the that's the planting. Mm-hmm. Then he will also reap. So you, whatever you sow into the ground. So those of us who have ever planted the, uh, I don't know if you ever did a, a, I remember when I was in kindergarten or first grade, we had to do a school project. We had to plant a green bean seed. Mm-hmm. And then we had to sit there with a little paper cup and we had to watch the green beans sprout. And then, so you didn't plant a green bean seed and all of a sudden you got um, a marigold or some yeah. kind of a flower. Come no, you got a green bean plant. Yeah. It's like whatever you put in and you you plant, you sow, you're guaranteed going to get it out. Right. It's, that's what Whatever you put into the ground is all things are equal. That's what's going to come out of the ground. So whatever you sow, that also will he reap. So if you sow to your flesh, you're going to reap fleshly things, in this case corruption, if you sort of the spirit, you're going to reap a spiritual thing like eternal life. So yes. how does, this is one more time where Paul is just using this either or, Mick, yeah. of, of flesh or spirit. And it, in earlier parts of the book is who, what are you trusting in? Yeah. And he used it here. How does the farm analogy describe this either or? Well, what are you investing in? It's, I'm, I'm thinking the commercial, you know, what's in your wallet? Mm. Uh, but, but basically the idea is what are you investing in? Because what you're investing in is going to show where you really stand also. I love, I love that. Yeah. Uh, and and, and I, lo- I love verse 7. You know, God is not mocked. I mean, anybody that thinks they're pulling a fast one on God, you want to talk about self-deception? That's the me- that's That right there is the meaning of self-deception. If you think God can be fooled, <laughs> the only person you're fooling is yourself. God can't be fooled. And, and the other thing is this. And Paul wants us to be very clear about this. Our salvation comes by grace through faith. And the reason why this is such good news is because of this uh, reaping and sowing analogy. Because that is the general rule that God has created life and the universe with. For every In science they'll refer to for every action there's an opposite and equal reaction. Mm-hmm. Other spiritual world movements will call it karma. And while obviously we do not proclaim karma... We don't say that there is not a karmic aspect to life. There is. There is a karmic aspect to life. We don't believe in karma as in, in, in the Hinduistic in the sense, but we do believe that there is a general law of that in the universe. Again, that actually helps define why the gospel is such great news, because the gospel defies that. You know, we are, by sinners, we deserve death. Right. So, you know, the fact is that God has made a very special ruling on our, in our favor by giving us this, this promise that kind of frees us from what is the natural course of life. He does something that I'm going to call it supernatural, which means over the natural course of life. So we have to understand that that does not mean that, as a general rule, this is still not in place in the world. And that the principles of that don't also apply even to the Christian life. So in the Galatian context, mm-hmm. who, who's deceiving themselves? The, the, the deceivers are, are the, uh, the Judaizers. The, the one, Judaizers, the ones who are yeah. saying that you need to, to be religious. And the problem is that, again, we, we, we've said this before and we'll say it again. Religion in and of itself is not a bad thing. The problem is that oftentimes religion, sadly, gets misused and mishandled by sinners, which is people like us, unfortunately. We are sinful and we are sinners. And if, and if we're not walking in, in, in step with the Spirit, if we have not accepted God's gift, we're incapable of doing the right thing with religion. So you're deceiving yourself if you're trusting in your works. Yeah. If you're trusting in adding now Moses to your faith. Yeah. And trusting in the outside, the fleshly yeah. things. 
if you're gonna if you're going to if you're going to trust in the flesh, you're deceiving yourself that yeah. that that God is going to accept that. Yes. And and and, and what happens is because it, it it is a very flawed system. What happens is we we start realizing it, but instead of trying to to turn to the truth, we start creating other wrong systems with it. We focus more on the illusion and the appearance of it than the reality of the matter. And that's the difference between the Judaizer and, and a Christian who, who, is, who, is, who is kind of having a, a slip, if you will, is that the Judaizer will continue on that path, whereas the Christian will come to his senses at some point. How is that mocking God then? It's mocking God because it's like you think that the show is really going to replace the reality. Mm. It's it's not. There you go. Yeah, because that, that... At the end of the day, God knows who you right. are. Because, I mean, Paul takes pains here. Don't be deceived that, you know, basically you're mocking God if you're yeah. doing this. I mean, what is God? God identifies himself as truth. So, you know, anything that, that is not truth is, is, is a lie by definition. So we, we can't be doing things that, that are not true. We cannot do things that, that go against God. And if we're, again, even relying on anything outside of God for our salvation is already a deception. There's nothing we can do. I think that's a real problem in today's world, especially in our social media generation mm -hmm. where you do something and you post about it and you begin looking after the little red circles, mm -hmm. the little mm -hmm. red numbers. And did I, did I get likes? Did I get yeah. comments? Yeah. Did I get people following me? Did I get attaboys? And you might even see this. You may even feel this temptation. You know, some, of, some of us are better singers than others, but you go, you go into a worship service and you start singing and you realize, well, maybe if I sing a little bit better, maybe if I you know, sing a nice harmony. Or, I know I face this temptation as I worship. I want to sing... I want to sing something really beautiful, then I begin to realize, are people listening to me? Mm -hmm. And I could see someone deceiving themselves, even in a worship service, by coming and making their worship more about their own their own appearance or their own fleshly desires, yeah. desires to be noticed or desires yeah. to be heard, That versus, it's like, I think this cuts to the heart. I mean, it's yeah. like, we do what we do because we want what we want. And what do I really want here? Do I, do I want to be noticed? Do I want to be approved of? Yeah. What am I going for? Because like, we look at this and we say, well, I wouldn't do that if I was in the Galatians yeah, what, day. What are we really fishing for? Right. What are we fishing for here? And the temptation is, is the, yeah, to thrust there, ourselves back in there. Right, right. And there is always a tension. And we have to, look, even as you and I are doing this class, there's always a tension. Right. Ooh, are we going to start getting more people listening to the podcast? Right. Ooh, are we going to start getting more compliments and praises? You know, and it's something that you and I, as individuals, have to deal with as well. You know? And... and and then not just us, but anybody that does anything in the service of God, we have to watch out why we do this. And I think it's a healthy tension to have. Agreed. God is not mocked. We, 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 we always need to be asking ourselves, where am I sowing in? Mm -hmm. I realize this is something we may have talked about yeah. at the end of it tonight. But yeah. it's like, I think that's, before we leave this section here, I think it's a really great thing to ask yourself, oh listener, where am I planting? Yeah. And where am I expecting to receive a harvest? What am I investing in? Exactly. What am I investing exactly. in? Am I investing in the temporary or the eternal? And I like how you put that. Because if, if I'm investing in the temporary and expecting the eternal, I'm making a mockery out of mm -hmm. what God... Yeah. That is, you're making a mockery out of the Holy Spirit. If, I, if I'm really investing in the flesh and expecting to receive the Spirit, yeah. that's just playing games with God. Yeah. 
And this is good stuff. Yeah. This, this this hits right to, and this is at the, the tail end of the book, but it it just hits right at the heart. Hey, man, this is speaking to us just as much as it's speaking to anybody man. else. Okay, so yeah, that's that's verses six to eight. So verses nine to ten, and this is good. And let mm-hmm. us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then. As we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Mm. So what so so he continues the sowing and yeah. reaping thing here. Yeah. So what sowing and reaping did Paul encourage the Galatian church here to do? Well again, to, to keep investing in, in the eternal. And the analogy of harvest is, is so great because one of the things that we, you know, as you mentioned, we, we've done these little experiments as kids. One of the things we know right right away is that these things take time. They take time. They don't happen fast. You see that little leaf start sprouting out of the bean. You, you use the green bean. I use the pinto bean. But it's the same experiment. The point being is it was never, um, obviously I didn't devote the full time and energy towards it. So I only got that little sprouty leaf. So I got happy with that. But the, the, the fact of the matter is these things take time. Mm-hmm. And, and they take energy and, and a lot of patience. And, and, and one can grow tired waiting for that crop to happen. Yeah, and I could see, you know, the weariness, the weariness coming into the spiritual yeah. life is I, how much more do I have to do? And it's just, it could be very, I could see them being weary here. But It's a, it's a Psalm 13, I believe. It's like, how long, oh Lord? How long? It, you know, we, we, we get to that. Again, it's a healthy tension to have because it, it, it also highlights our reliance on God. Or hopefully the highlights our reliance on God and not a, a temptation to to want to give God a hand. And to use your word, the farmer is the ultimate investor because yeah. if, if he doesn't stay diligent, yeah, if he doesn't stay at it day by day, no matter how weary he gets, yeah, he's not going to eat. That's right. And he's got to have that crop to, to feed his family. So that same mindset, let's not grow weary of doing good. Even though doing good may not get the attaboy, even though you may not get notice and. I know uh, what's the old line? Yeah, it's you get punished for doing good today. Yeah. Like, never a good deed. No good deed goes unpunished. There you go. So today you're like, why would I reach out and do something good for somebody, and they're just going to blame me for something else? Mm-hmm. Does it ever? Does that investment ever pay off? Yeah. And and Paul is saying, yes. You may not see that that investment come in the the, the harvest now, but there's a due season, mm-hmm. and when that season comes, you're going to reap something if you don't give up. Because if you give up, you're going to miss out on the harvest. And I think a great example here is, is uh, even though the, the season's off for this, uh, it's a wonderful life. Mm. George Bailey did good by his townspeople. And in his lowest moment, the townspeople came through for him. Just when he was about ready to literally throw it mm. all away. That's the part of the movie I cried. That was a surprise the room got misty for a second. They heard George is in trouble and they circled the wagons. Yep. So as we have opportunity, verse 10, let's do good to everyone and especially to those of the household of faith. So it's... Uh, and I mean, and let me, I'm going to just go right there with that phrase. As we have opportunity. Mm. Are, are there people in need around you all the time, every day? The answer is yes. So it's almost like, like he's being kind of like um, ironic there, isn't he? Yes, we will have opportunity. We will always have opportunity to do the right thing. Because we're always tempted to do the wrong thing. So what did he want this this Galatian church to be known for? He wanted them to be known for generosity. Again, starting with verse 6. 
generosity, taking care of teachers, but not just teachers. Help, you know, verse uh, four earlier, or, or verse five earlier, helping each other with, 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 with their, with their bur uh, bur uh, verse two, helping each other with the burdens. So there, he wants this to be a church that is not self-centered, mm. but that is, 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 again, is invested in, in relationships and investing in eternity. And the things that really matter. You've tied these ten verses together really well, Mick. Yeah, I, I I think that it sounds like he really wants this Galatians church to be known as churches that that, that is a blessing to other people. Yes, that does good for people, and it, it would be great for churches to see themselves as a blessing to the community. Yeah, when a community has a problem, the church is right there on the front yeah. lines to help out. And but they're also known as a a, a, a group that takes care of its own too. Yes. That you, that you are the people that come and be a part of us and journey with us. We're going to care for them too. Yes. But we also care for the the, the, the neighborhoods around us. Right. And we want to be a blessing and, and to do the next right thing. And I think fewer t things detract more from any family dynamic mm. than not taking care of your own family. Right. Because the moment you don't take care of your own family, you're not going to give a rat's tail about anyone or anything else. You, you won't. And this world has progressively gotten more tribalistic and mm -hmm. more divisive. And yeah. people go to their own little parties, their own little camps, and they lob bombs at each other. Yeah. And we as a church could be a great restorer, reconciler. We can be peacemakers. We can be people who care for people no matter what sign they have in their lawn. So we just, we care for people. Right. And we want to, I realize I say that I'm a care pastor. That's kind of my world, but that's all of our worlds. Yes. You know, that's, that's, that's the point here. We have to do good. And we're commanded to, as we have opportunity, as Paul says, let us do good to everyone. So everyone should be receiving a blessing. It, it, right. It, it's, it's, the res it's the responsibility that goes along with, with the grace, freedom, and salvation that we have. Mm. I shouldn't have to do the good thing. I ought to want to do the right, right. thing. So as, you know, as Abraham's children, we can be a blessing to all people. Yeah. yeah. But as we, we better especially make sure we're also being a blessing to... Our household. Yeah, we 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 we've got to we, we make sure we're doing that. Yeah. This what again a church of of people being restored gently, a church where people are watching over each other and but also having a examination of themselves. Yeah. A church has got the right thing on the inside, and yeah. the church has got the right um, approach to the the outside world as well to love other people, to love their neighbor as yourself. Yeah. That's what this is. I mean, this is this is great. I mean. I love that the the heart that Paul has for this church and that the, how he's directing them. So verse eleven looks like just kind of a a one off verse here, and I didn't link it with anything else. See what large letter. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Uh, so, how do you think the Galatians would have received that? Well, there, the two things that came to my mind is like, whoa, uh, brother Paul is serious here. And the other thing is like, this is very personal. Mm. This is very personal. He's very committed to us. He's very involved in us. He's got a stake in us. If Paul used an amanuensis scribe, mm -hmm. at this point, he's picking up the pen. Yeah. And he's writing something here on his own. Yeah. Because he's telling us he's writing something on his own. We don't know if he, if he used the whole letter to write on his own. We, I don't think we're given that information. Yeah. But we're at least told here he picked up the pen and started writing or the, the yeah, quill. We at least know at least this verse was. Right. I mean, at and the so, very least. 
some have surmised many, many physical things. It, it, it is a fair thing to do only because Paul did mention that he was in a, how did he put it? Was it in chapter two? He was in a grotesque physical state mm-hmm. around them that, 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 that he, he gave, he tossed them an attaboy because yeah. they didn't receive him as grotesque. I'm kind yeah. of missing the words here. But in his original ministry trip with them, he was, something was wrong. He was sick and really weak and he was just in a really bad spot and 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 they received him like yeah. he was Jesus himself or an angel. They they cared for him even though he had what we think was something physically going on with him, some kind of illness. And some have surmised that there was an eye issue because here he's having to write with large letters like he can't really see what he's doing. I think the eye issue is more of an ongoing issue. Mm. I don't see that being an illness that would alienate people from you. He, he had some other sickness going on. But I do think that his reference that if you could have, you would have gouged your, eye, your eyes right, out for right. me kind of thing. Plus, we know his conversion experience, you know, um, let's call it the residual of his Damascus experience kind of mm-hmm. reminder. Like, yeah, this really happened. His eyes may have suffered for it. I mean, when we think of, a, was it the Declaration of Independence? Who, who, who do we think of? We think of John Hancock's big old signature. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so... That was a very brave moment for Mr. Hancock where he was signing his potential death sentence there with the largest signature on the page. And so Paul's writing here with large letters. I, I think your first point was spot on there, your first option. Like, this is important. Yeah. And Paul, Paul's putting, maybe Paul's saying here, I'm giving this emphasis. Yes. You're getting large letters here. Yeah. This is getting underlined a few times kind of thing. Yeah. That we're not going to miss out on this. So verses 12 to 13 now, it is those... Who want to make a good showing in the flesh, who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. So how does Paul finalize his critique of, of his opposition here? So how how does he how does he deal with because he he appears to be speaking to them now he's yeah talking, yeah he's talking he, about them he's bringing I, I the, think, the word those yeah those um you know he he wants to make it clear that these guys are 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 all about appearances you know showing in the flesh you know I think plays plays on both levels you know the emphasis on the fact of the circumcision but also the fact that it also highlights that they're more appearance oriented or you know, show showmanship than they are about truth. And I think that that, that plays into it as well. Um, because they would have you do this so that they may not... In other words, there's something there, and I would have to think that this is affecting them uh, on an influence level. You know, losing uh, people to something that's not circumcision. It's kind of like, you know, darn, you know, you know, we've made our business because they were so Jewish. Now that they're not as Jewish, now we're losing some of this business. You know, I don't know. There's something there that that seems to, to have been lost by them. You know, definitely in the influence department, for sure. You know, they're, so there's something there that they're losing because of that. It almost makes you wonder when um, when, when, when Gutenberg mass pro- started mass-producing the Bible so everybody could technically get a Bible mm-hmm. in their own hands. And they're not dependent upon a priest to read it to them and interpret it for mm-hmm. them. And you've got like the Protestant Reformation, the priesthood of all believers, that we yeah. could be reading and interpreting God's word, that we don't need a, me- a human mediator to mediate this for yeah. us. 
there's a great danger there. Yes. That everyone now has access. So so it, 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 since Paul is telling these people, hey, knock it off with the trust in the flesh, you can go right to the Spirit. Yes. You, you have him crying in your heart, Abba, Father. You don't need the trust. So now the great danger is, well, what are we going to do with everyone starts trusting God and they don't need to go to the flesh anymore? Yeah. How are we going to control this? How are we going to be able to mediate this? And I think that's, that's an excellent word right there that you use. Control. Amen. It always comes down to... How can I control? How can I manipulate you? So I'm losing. That's probably what I meant to say there. How I'm, these guys are losing some of that sway. They're losing some of that control. Some of that manipulation power that they had before. Mm. When they were the, the arbiters of that. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. But they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Yep. So... What larger points are you making there? Even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. How are they not keeping the law? Even even though they're they're keeping the law of getting circumcised, what what, what they're like they're missing the forest for the trees here. Yeah, because obviously the, the command is you have to follow everything, and these guys are the big capital H hypocrites. Right, right. they're not keeping all of it. No. So no, and I'll I'll even give an example of that uh, the the story that that ends John chapter seven going into John chapter eight about the woman that's being brought to Jesus to be stoned. All right. The one big thing that everybody seems to miss in that narrative is that where was the dude? Right? Where was you want to talk about hypocrisy in motion in play? Where was the dude? Yeah. I mean, they were supposed to bring both of them. You talk about their constant inconsistency in obeying the law. I love that one for that reason. I mean, that was low-hanging fruit. They, mm -hmm. they drugged the woman there. They yeah, I mean, it's like, the guy. where's the dude? I mean, obviously, adultery doesn't happen by itself. You know, you need, <laughs> you know I mean, last I checked. So, uh, yeah, that's really good stuff, man. Wow. So it's, yeah, they, they, they have this desire to, that they want to boast in your flesh. This is, it's almost like you are giving them credit. Like yeah. you, you are adding Oh man, notches in their belt is a wrong analogy, but so you, you are honestly it's the one that that I that, that, that I had written originally. Yeah, you you are you are you basically exist for them. You're you're another notch on their bedpost. I mean, that's basically all you are to them. They're like they're spiritual, yeah, you know, so to speak. You know, well, it is fleshly and it, yeah, it's it's so a, a, a lusty kind of taking. It's, yeah, you basically exist for the, the their the, credit. The yeah. parallels are there. Let's just I, leave it at that. The I, parallels I mean, are there. As much as I hate making the connection, the connection is fair. So, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So that is verses twelve and thirteen. Uh, how did how did this affect the Galatians and boasting in their? So, can they be boasting in their flesh at this point? Oh no, they never. There's never a point that any of us could ever boast in our flesh, neither in, in the the pre-Christian experience and definitely not in the post-Christian experience. There's no way th that we can ever boast in the flesh. So they desire to have you. Maybe that's part of that. That's almost like a sexual image. They desire mm -hmm. to have you. And yeah. so that's a, that's a similar thing. Yeah, I realized it's about that, control. It was like he said earlier. It's control. It was. I realized that was Hebrew when when God talked to Cain. This kind of came to mind. Your mm -hmm. sin desires to have you essentially, mm -hmm. but you've got to you've got to master oh, there it. There you go. Yeah. I mean, this is like they desire to have you because they want to boast over you. So that would remind me if I was a Galatian Christian reading this, going well. Uh, they want to boast over my flesh. It sounds like I'm a means to an end for whatever yeah. that end is for them. Yeah. I just make them look good. I guess this is really not really about me. Mm -hmm. So now that's a great reminder. I can't boast of my own flesh now. Yeah. I can't give them something to boast about. Right. And I can't be boasting about it either. And I mean, that's 
that's just what just jumps out to me with verse 13. All right, verses 14 to 16, we're getting to the end here. Okay, but far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, and upon the Israel of God. Excuse me, so how did Paul see himself different than the opposition, in terms of... Uh, so far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So right away, how is he different than, than them? Uh, right off the bat, there is no boasting. It's, it's all about the cross of Jesus. And he says it right there. It's all about the cross of Jesus. The gospel all is completely about the cross of Jesus. The cross mm -hmm. of Jesus is so powerful enough at this point that he doesn't even have to mention the resurrection. But that's how important the cross of Jesus is. It is on yeah. the cross where he says, it is finished. And you wouldn't be boasting in, in the cross of, of the Lord Jesus Christ no. as in... Well, First of all, it's not our accomplishments. And yeah. secondly, the fact that we put him there is right. the exact opposite. It is, it is my shame yeah. that I put him on that cross. Otherwise, we turn into the, the Pharisee in the parable, the Pharisee, the tax collector, where yeah. he comes before God and... He's like, well, I, I'm not like that guy, God. I know yeah. why I'm praying to you, and the other guy's beating his chest. Yeah. So we can't boast in that. I guess the way someone could boast would be like, you know, Jesus saved me. Yeah. And but then, then who are we boasting in? We're boasting in Jesus. In Jesus. You're right. So, yeah. so, and, and he he brings us home here, but because he said, listen, he and the cross is. We say the cross, you automatically think of crucified. So he brings it in here, is that the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. So. Even if he was boasting in the cross, he wasn't boasting in a worldly way, mm -hmm. like everyone else boasts about everything yeah. else. You, one person talks about their kid, and the yeah. next guy goes, well, that's nothing. Let me tell you about my kid. And the next guy goes, well, that's still nothing. Let me tell you about my kid. You know, I was just thinking about this uh, in, in, um, in the very start of this chapter, verses 13 and 14, uh, chapter 1. Paul's giving you his little resume of why, again, it's not as fully fleshed out as the one he does in, uh, in Philippians, but it, it, it's as good as any. It's, you know, where he talks about being this Jew of Jews. Right. You know, and here he's telling you now, after having said all that, that I'm this in, 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 regarding even the Jewish faith. I'm the Judaizer of Judaizers if I really wanted to be. Right. And here he's telling you, nope, that's for nothing. Yeah, the same, I mean, four chapters ago, I have been crucified by Christ and I no longer live. Yeah. So that same very idea now, I'm crucified to, the world's been crucified to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm and so and I'm crucified to the world. And this is that's yeah. no longer my currency. I'm dead to the world, and the world's dead to me. That's right. I mean, when it comes down to it, that that's it. It's like that that no longer because the more the world stays not dead, the more yeah. the flesh draws. And when we talk about world, what we mean is not the physical earth. We're talking about the it's it's philosophical undercurrents. It's ideologies that are in opposition to God. Because not everything in the world is bad. Let's be clear about it. Not everything in this world is bad. There's a lot of good things because God created this to be a good world. But there is a system in play that goes against God. And this is what we're talking about. Anything that goes against the gospel is going against God. There's a double-edged side of that crucifixion yeah. that we just pulled out. Yeah. Dead to the world and the world's dead to me. Yeah. So for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision but a new creation. Yeah. So how does that then kind of slam the door on this either or of... 
one side saying crucifixion of the flesh is everything, and the other side is is how does that just seal the door, close the door regarding this either or of the entire letter of neither circumcision or uncircumcision? It's not a. It doesn't matter that. if you're a Jew or if you're not a Jew. It doesn't matter. It's kind of you know it reminds me about when we were doing our our new creation series. It doesn't matter what end of the spiritual spectrum you're in. The important thing is our identity in Christ. And for those of you listening right now going, what was what was Professor D talking about? When you finish with this episode, you can go back in the episode list, and it's, it, it's two or three sections ago, and it is under new creation. You can find out what we're talking about. Yeah. Be- beginning of the year, we did a short series. And it was a great one, too, I have to say. It was a different series because we didn't go through a book of the Bible. No, no, we went topical. It was there. topical. Yeah. So, yeah, so for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. So it sounds like here, this whole fleshly business that's not what it's all about, no. but it's a new creation. And who makes the new creation? Who does the new creating? It's God. God, yeah. It's totally a work of grace. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So if All that, of God is involved in it. If that's all that counts is this new creation, and that's only done by God. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, in John 3, Jesus talks about the flesh gives birth to flesh, the spirit gives birth. Mm-hmm. So it's like the spirit's the one regenerating. Yeah. Then this is not about flesh. So it's like enough already with yeah. the flesh. Yeah. It's like none of that matters. None of that matters. And so he just closes the door here. And then as far and verse 16, as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Uh, what in the world? What is the Israel of God? What, what, what's he or who is the Israel? Who, who's he talking about here? I, I think what he's, he's, he's trying to equate here. First of all, I think let me start by telling you what he's not saying. He's not saying that the church is a replacement of Israel. Let's get that right off the bat. The church is not the replacement of Israel, never has been, never will be. It may have been misunderstood that way through many of the middle centuries where... With all apologies to all of our dispensational li- listeners. Yes. But, that, the, you know, <laughs> Israel is Israel and the church is the church. But I think what, what, what Paul is doing here is by calling it the Israel of God, is he's basically equating the church as God's chosen people. Mm. A yep. different set of God-chosen people, but a God-chosen people nonetheless. Both of them, both the nation of Israel and the church, connected to Genesis 12.3, where God makes the promise, which has been the big emphasis that led to this point where we're not getting practical. That's right. Led to this impetus that through this nation, Israel, I'm going to bless other people in the world so they too can be my people. You've got the Judaizers saying, you want to be a true child of Abraham? Get circumcised and start doing flesh and Jewish matter. Yeah, yeah, become a Jew. Become a Jew. And what? And and we've already dealt with this. With you know, no, no, no. That's acting like uh, the, the the child of the slave woman, Hagar. Mm-hmm. This is the, the one who goes enslaved by the law. This is you want to be a true child of Abraham. Don't follow. Um, don't follow the law. Instead, follow the gospel. Mm-hmm. You will now be heirs according to the promise. Yeah. As he's put earlier in the book, Abraham's seed. Yep. Through the offspring Jesus Christ. That's right. Here it is. You want to be a true a true child of Abraham, receiving that promise. The true Israel of God is not through fleshly conforming to the law. Mm-hmm. It's through the Spirit and marching by the Spirit as you follow the, His gospel. That's what it comes down to. You want to be you want to be the Israel of God. Be a true child of Abraham by following the gospel. Yep. And he's closing the book on that too, which would have just rankled every Judaizers that he basically taking every arrow out of their quiver to fire. It's like they have nothing to offer at this point. Not basically, Joe. He has completely. Completely. <laughs> they have nothing to offer the they Galatians at this point. 
So in the last two verses here, 17 and 18, um, let's see. It is, From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Um, what is he communicating there, do you think, Mike? The thing that he's communicating there is, you know, you guys are, are so hung up about, you know, things done to the body. Well, I'm going to tell you this. I'm sticking for the true gospel. Things were done to my body, and I can show you what, we're, what was done, but for sticking to the truth, not for sticking to a lie. Right. You so, know? so some have read this and go, Marks of Jesus. There was that movie that was a stigmata movie where mm. people started having crucifixion marks. It could just vary marks because of Jesus. Yeah. It's like, because I've allied myself with Christ, I've gotten whipped, and I've gotten yeah. stoned, and I've gotten shipwrecked, and, or whatever. All the things that were going to be done to his body, Paul recounts in another letter. Yeah. And like, it, it's you know, 40 lashes minus one kind of yeah. thing. And he's got those marks on his body somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And For sticking to the truth. For sticking to the truth. So you want to mark your body. You want to, you want to mark on your body? Stick to the truth. <laughs> These Believe people me. want you to cut your foreskin. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I stood with the gospel, and I've got other marks on me. Yeah. And badges of honor, as it were. Yeah. And the final, the Galatians, the book of Galatians closes with, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Man, he just has to make sure you don't forget. At the end of the day, it's about grace. And it's about with your spirit. He didn't grace. say, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your flesh, brothers. Nope. It's with your spirit. Grace. One last time, grace, and grace. one last time, spirit. Because grace is synonymous with the gospel. Yeah, what a closing. Oh, yeah. Well, speaking of closing, uh, Professor D, uh, how will you land the plane just in our chapter tonight? Because tonight, tonight we get a double right, well, we get a double closing. Yeah. But first, just chapter 6. Just chapter 6 is that we have responsibilities. We have responsibilities because of our grace salvation. We have responsibilities in our relationships that, with one another. And we also have a relationship in, in where we invest. Mm. We, we What we invest matters. Are we investing... In God's kingdom work, are we investing in eternity? Are we investing in kingdom matters? I almost feel like I sound like Tony Evans there, but I mean, the the, the truth is, the brothers got it right. You kingdom man, you. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, for me, this chapter means a lot to me. A, a number of years ago, I, I was I was the final pastor of, of a small church, and this verse in Galatians six ended up being our rallying cry. Let us not grow weary of doing good, mm -hmm. for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And there was plenty of times my little church was tempted to give up, and we were we were discouraged, and we were going through this really hard season of not having great attendance, and we were just wondering, why does God still have us here? And this verse came to mind. I remember when my wife challenged me with this, and I, and I didn't challenge the church. I said, hey, we don't know what God's going to do, mm -hmm. but we're going to keep doing good. We're going to keep focusing on where we should be focusing on. I like I like your term. We're going to keep investing where we should be investing. We don't know in what season we're in. We don't know how God's going to use us. Yeah. And honestly, we didn't know that the very next season was going to be the season where we were going to merge with another church mm -hmm. and that God was going to use that sacrifice to grow something amazing, that we were going to be that proverbial kernel of wheat falling to the earth and dying as Jesus used it for God to now grow something new. We had no idea. All we had was this verse we were hanging on mm -hmm. to. And just and so that encouraged us. So some of us listening to this, and this, it's Galatians 6, and the, that's where you're at, where you're just doing good. You don't know exactly how God is using your efforts and God is where he's, where he's at in your life and how he's using this time in your life, what he's expecting you to learn. But that, that verse is a great encouragement. 
And so, closing the book out, how do we land the plane on Galatians, Megan? I think, you know, when as I was reflecting on it, the big thing for me is don't don't lose your trust in God. See, because that's that's what the whole gospel is about, trusting God from start to finish. Don't lose your trust in God. Yeah, sometimes it's not flashy. You know, Paul talked about this in Galatians chapter 1. Even if an angel came to you, you know, or somebody that's kind of flashy, these Judaizers, they were big shots. Obviously, they had enough sway to, to even cause Paul and Barnabas to trip up. Right. You know, don't lose your confidence. This is it. We are on the right track. We are on the right path. This is... This is it. This is the most unique message you're going to get. Remember, we talked about this even in relation to chapter 6. There is a karmic principle, you know, just to borrow that terminology, even though we don't believe in karma. There is a karmic principle that, that, that God uses, but, but salvation, he, 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 he gives us this beautiful gift of, of this free salvation that it has nothing to do to anything and that therefore it has no strings attached to anyone else and it's it's infallible because it all depends on God and so on the other side we get the self-deception that the constantly being deceived and mm-hmm. the, the deception is that I, I I'm, I'm about the flesh mm-hmm. and so it's, you know, don't ever fall into the temptation of hedging right. your salvation yeah there, there is no such thing so if I'm trust if I if I'm supposed to trust in God since I trust in God I cannot trust in myself. No. And so this is not, okay, I'm already saved. Now I got work to do. No, this is no. how do I how do I get saved? How do I exist in God's family? If I'm trusting in myself, I'm tempted to manipulate yeah. God. I'm tempted to say, God, look what I'm doing. And, and I, am, I am this way. I am that way, God. So now you're going to think highly of me or you're yeah. going to think better of me. Or this is about my own power. Or, you know, in my own struggles, I'm going to say, I've got this. No, 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 no. And a secondary point is Paul's emphasizing here, you know, your identity is you are are, are sons of God. Remember, we get to call him Abba. Yeah. Focus on your identity. Your identity will will lead to what follows after that. But focus on your identity. Focus on the relationship with God. You know, that's that's what, and that will that will instruct our ethics. That will instruct our responsibilities. That will instruct everything moving forward. And it won't feel like a burden. The great either or of Galatians, the tension between the flesh and the spirit. What are you depending on? How are you saved? Is it a work of the flesh? Is it depending upon the flesh? Or is it depending upon the spirit? That is an either or. It is never a both and. Mm-hmm. That tension needs to be looked at in your heart so you're not deceived so that you are you're examining yourself in the light of that either or tension mm-hmm. am i depending upon myself or am i depending upon god am i fully relying on myself yeah. or fully relying on god that's got to be a takeaway from this book yeah because if you're depending upon yourself then you're not following what jesus said to follow him starts with the denial of the self because yeah. if you can deny the self you're not going to depend upon yourself right and so that ends the book of Galatians. Professor D, we, we, we will journey next week in what wonderful book? Ephesians. We go on to Ephesians next. This has been a great journey in the book of Galatians. Thanks for joining us today. This has been Masterclass Theology from Galatians chapter 6. As always, I'm Big Rev. I'm Professor D. We'll see you next week in Ephesians chapter 1. God bless. Amen. This has been Masterclass Theology. I pray you've been challenged and encouraged during today's episode. 
And I hope you'll continue to join us as we journey through the Bible. God bless.